Welcome to Friends in the Front Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming across the table for me is Roy. Hello, everybody. It's I always say that coming to you or coming across, or but it's a brand new day. It is a brand new day, and wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't if it be we nice? We were older. I know. Well, not us older, but them older, and we. Had- <laughs> yeah, because we're here to talk about the All Star Game, but also to talk about the draft. And, and but let's start with Slamarena, Grand Slamarena. Holy. Cow. Oh my gosh. One of the biggest moments of the season. Well, it really it is. And, yeah. And it's just one of those things where it couldn't, you know, the storybook, you know, I mean, the team isn't doing that well right now, and that's fine. I mean, we're, 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 we're we are where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but have it just another feather in the cap of a, a potentially special season. Yeah. Uh, if this is evidence of things to come in the future, I know there's a lot of between now and then the end of uh, September. But it's just another one of those things that just the storybook is starting to happen with this organization, with this team. And particularly with the team. Yeah, yeah. And his his brother was there in the stands. They got him on camera yeah. having this emotional reaction when the thing was go when the ball was going out. Yeah. And to be honest, were you watching the game? I was not watching yeah. the game. We'd we'd moved out to the garage. I was working on some stuff, and I'd uh, it was kind of like background stuff. And it's, oh no, that's right. I was out. Angela and I were out on a little double date. Oh, nice. Right. And so we've, and so it's like, I want to watch the game, but we got to go out. And uh, I couldn't quite see the TV from where I was. And then her, my, my father in law texted me, Are you watching this? I'm like, no. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I'll be honest. I, after the third run, third run, and then the three runs in the first, and then that before we got smoked. So three runs in the first. All right. I'll hold on. Three runs in the third. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go watch a movie. Yeah, when we were and, when and, we were and, driving and there, probably a big fan of coming, whatever. But after the night before, like, okay, fine, that's just a bad night. I'm gonna move on. Right. But I don't not watch the game, so I'm watching. You know, oh look, Teddy hit home run. Great. I'll look at that later on on Twitter. Yeah, six one or whatever, eight one, right. whatever it was at the time. Upper tank, whatever. And then I see the bases loaded. Oh, Caratini struck out. Okay. Go on. Look at the. You know, just look at them watching the movie again. Look back. Camarena. Runs what? I didn't even I didn't even know we'd called him up. Uh huh. And it's that's kind of like our hobby is to know who's getting called up to the major league team. True. And I looked and I'm like, oh my god, you know, Liddy's back in Connecticut. So I text her and I'm like, you need, you know, that I I went to the end of the inning. We scored seven runs. And then I texted Liddy. I'm like, you got to check the game out. She's like, mm-hmm. I stopped watching it because you know it, we're losing. We're fake fans, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, she was watching something else. She's in Connecticut. It's like three hour difference. Uh, she turned it back on and it was just. God, you know, every time that happens, you feel, God, I should really stick it in, you know, or stick with it. But Yeah, yeah. I, but it, we're used to being down by two runs in the sixth inning. Right. And being done, and that's it. Yeah. Okay, turn it off, we're done, we're not coming back. Right. And now we have a team that can actually come back from that kind of a deficit. There were two slams down. Yeah. And they came back and wound up winning the game. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. But hey, today we're going to talk about uh, Luis Camposano in the Futures game. Yes. We're going to talk about first time, very, very mysterious, pretty cool. A little historic moment. A little historic moment. And we're going to talk about the Padres draft class. And then after that, this is a short episode, we'll have Dylan Sin from uh, Fort Wayne, Tin Caps beat writer, to talk about us, uh, talk to us, uh, talk to me about the Fort Wayne, Tin Caps. Yeah. All right, so starting it off, we've got Luis Camposano played in the Futures game, started uh, a catcher. Yes, yeah, he did. I, um, I, I, unfortunately, I had a baseball game that day. I saw the first at-bat. I watched the first couple innings, and he looked good. You know, and I watched it on Twitter, watched you know people's reaction on Twitter. He looked really good behind the plate. Okay. And he had the uh, sacrifice uh, RBI later on in the game. Um, I'm not sure if he, he 
I don't know if he caught the whole game. I didn't really look, but I know he had a really good game. It was fun to watch the Futures game as much as I could uh, before I went off to play my little fake baseball game. But, yeah. So happy for him that he yeah. had a good showing out there. Uh, it's kind of a showcase. I mean, it really is an exhibition. He doesn't know the pitchers that he's working with. Uh, you know, doesn't know the defense. You've got to you know come up with some basic <clears throat> signs, whatever. Uh, it's But it's really a chance to get a little bit of national yeah. attention. You know, um, it would have been a little bit better if C.J. Abrams would have been there. Probably would have missed my game for that. Yeah, that would have been worth. That would have been worth it. Yeah, but it's all right. You know, so happy for Luis. Yeah, absolutely. So Monday. Yeah, tell us what happened Monday. So, so Monday, you know, Grand Slams are cool. Home inside the parks are cool, but an inside the park Grand Slam, Taylor Colway hit one on Monday. It was during the seventh uh, doubleheader on on Monday. They won eight to seven, and he hit inside the park Grand Slam. I don't know if that's ever been done. I, you know, we should really look that up here to see if there's ever been a, you know, when the last time an inside the park Grand Slam happened. But dude, Taylor Colway. They, they happen, but that's just the first time in Chihuahua's history. In Chihuahua history. history, yeah. Yeah, so that is very notable. Yeah. So happy for Taylor Colway, who's having yeah. a really nice season, by the way. He is. I wouldn't be surprised. I think September call-ups this year is kind of weird, particularly with the team that's competing. You don't get so many. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't, see if he, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a cup of coffee, him or Matt Batten, uh, in the next year or so. Well, it's no longer the full 40-man. <laughs> it doesn't open right. up to the full 40-man roster in September now. I believe it goes from 26 to 29 players in and, September. We'll probably get pitchers. Yeah, so you'll probably get a few extra pitchers, and that's about it. Uh, especially if the team continues playing like they are, where yeah. you've got pretty much nine set positions. Yeah. I mean, they're switching out a couple guys in the outfield. Every once in a while, one of the infielders gets a day off, but you're not getting a lot of turnover. You're not looking for somebody. So maybe if they want a bench bat, somebody who can play, he can play both corners, he can play first base. Yeah. I guess I could see him getting a chance. Yeah, well, maybe more than likely next year. Probably a non-roster invited to spring training. Right. Um, and then we also have the trade deadline coming up at the end of the month. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to think about that. Uh, yeah. Let's not, let's not go there. But that's <laughs> After just... what happened last year with so many guys that we were just – that we were hanging on to, that we were hopeful for, yeah. that left, and they wound up being – useful positive trades yeah. but oh man it hurt yeah so i'm sure it's going to sting a little bit again but uh, this team needs to do what they can to win yeah. yeah we do and it starts with pitching for sure maybe maybe finding a new first baseman oh, God, we, uh, i still want the potteries to like us and i'm not sure if they listen anymore but <laughs> get vaccinated anyways moving on <laughs> anyways moving on uh start with the draft yes I, uh, it's Get used to it, ladies and gentlemen. We are picking. We picked twenty seventh, and is there any good players left? You know, at, at round twenty, or you know, the twenty seventh pick. Well, I mean, you you've got usually like five or eight guys that are right there at the front, and then there's like a second tier, and then there's a whole bunch of players that yeah. are good that have potential. Yeah. That have some kind of question mark to them. Yeah. And so that's the the world that they're in, that they're not going to be getting the C.J. Abrams, the Mackenzie Gores anymore. Uh, but there's still good players to be had. And there's Absolutely. plenty of guys that went in the fourth, fifth, sixth round and went <laughs> on to have Hall of Fame careers. Uh, so who knows what Jackson Merrill might go on to do. So that it is. It, it is uh, this year. The Padres the 27th pick and hopefully get used to the late pick in the first round. I said it again. Uh, chose Jackson Merrill from Sir. Severna, Severna Park, Maryland. A six foot three, one hundred ninety five pound left handed hitting Merrill popped onto the Padres' radar last summer and continued to trend up their board, especially after gaining thirty to thirty five pounds of muscle. Jesus, thirty! God, 
35 pounds of muscle? That's that's crazy. On but a I mean, history fame, that's that's some bulk. It is. It is. You look at his face and he's like, it's a kid. But I think you're talking. You're not just talking about one year. You're talking about from 2019 yeah. to to the draft. Yeah. Uh, because these these guys had the whole summer off, and so some guys really did go and hit the hit the iron. I mean, we saw that with uh, Justin Lang last year. Yeah. Where all of a sudden everything just peaked up, and his body looked completely rebuilt. <clears throat> anyway, continue. Yeah. So heading into a senior season, and the way he played after rolling his ankle mid season, so he only had like a half season. Quote: I think everybody that went. In got to see a home run. Padres amateur scouting director Mark Connor said that the performance, there were simple things like how we controlled the bat, how we controlled the movement. He has a very good low pulse, but performance-wise, everybody that came back saw something good. How we approached that bats, the swing decisions he makes, the ability to drive the ball defensively. He showed the ability to range at different times to get to different balls, like when he hurt his ankle. Some guys were in there to see him, and he gutted out through the game. With a hurt ankle, continue to play and continue to put the bat on the ball and put his team in a position to win. A productive summer, a productive summer after losing all of his junior year to COVID nineteen, realigned his priorities. Just eating and lifting every day, hitting every day, fielding every day. Merrill said, "So that, so that when it got to high school season, I was ready to compete, ready to show that I was ready to play at the next level." I think that developing. Myself developing my tools was really helpful over the last year. That's excellent. Coming from a kid that young, you know, taking the time, you know, usually do a little working out, kind of keeping, you know, healthy. But to really go at it like that really shows a lot. Absolutely, yeah. So, by the way, uh, some of the a lot of these excerpts are taken from Jeff Sanders' article yeah. in the Union Tribune. Um, he did a really good job of summarizing everything. Yeah. Uh, but I snagged a couple of quotes from other outlets. So, Baseball America in their scouting report, um, they say now listed, listed at six foot two, one hundred eighty pounds, Merrill has gone through a huge growth spurt over the last six months or so, adding a significant amount of strength that has changed his profile. He's now showing plus raw power. And the teams high on him really like his left-handed swing and feel for hitting. He has solid bat speed and a swing that's conducive to hitting the other way and the defensive tools that should give him a chance to stick at shortstop. And that last part seems to be where people are disagreeing a little bit. Right. Some people think that his size and just the way he moves, he may move to third base, maybe second base, maybe even a corner outfield spot. Uh, but the, there's, there's power potential for power yeah. there's some hitting skill that that is promising and we're talking about a high schooler yeah. so realistically he's probably three four years from making the majors at a minimum at a minimum that's yeah at a, that's at a steep trajectory so you're looking at it's like when you look at a house and you talk about the bones yeah. you know that there's nice bones to the house you've got a good foundation <laughs> you know the layout okay we can <clears throat> knock out a wall we need to you know put new floor and paint and everything uh rather than something that's just you know, ready to move in. Yeah. So it, he's a project and that's okay. I mean, that's right now you've got the left side of the infield locked down for the next half, yeah. half decade. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and at second base is looking pretty good. So really you're not drafting in the first round for somebody that you can plug in in the next, in the near future. So that's right. why we see the Padres going after so many high schoolers because they, they like to play the long game with those high talent kind of guys. Absolutely. And particularly with shortstop, you always draft the most athletic guy, the best player on the board. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So shortstop, he can move. You know, who knows where he's going to move? But there, it's not like you draft a right-handed hitting first baseman, right. and there's not far for him to move off if right. something doesn't work out well. So Merrill is also the third high school shortstop that Preller's staff has drafted in the first round, beginning with Hudson Potts in, with the 24th pick overall in 2016, C.J. Abrams with the sixth overall in 2019. 
you know, I think ultimately those are the best athletes. They can handle the baseball. They can throw the baseball. Jackson fits that, fits that mold for sure. Some people seem to, to draw a connection with Hudson Potts. It sounds like from a profile standpoint, there's kind of a similar, you know, the, the hitting ability, the potential for power, the way that he moves and everything. Now, Potts filled out quite a bit after the Padres drafted him, yeah. um, and that, I think, moved him off shortstop. doesn't help that they had Tatis in the system. So it's like, where is he going to play when he goes to double A? Well, he's not going to play shortstop. Right. Because there's a guy there that's pretty good already. And so you got a six foot four or six three three guy playing second base. Who yeah. did, he did pretty good. Oh, yeah. Potts did pretty good. For sure. Yeah, and it's the the days of the undersized second baseman are, are over. Yeah, yeah, that's that's behind. You're not. Yeah, a guy that's five foot nine probably isn't going to move over to shortstop anymore. But there's nothing to say that a six foot four DJ LeMahieu, right? You know, it's fantastic. He may have Absolutely. a Hall of Fame career by the time yeah. it's all done, and he's like six four, six five. Yeah. He, you know, I love LeMahieu. He just looks like a ball player. Oh, absolutely. Like, just like, you look like that guy's a ball player. Yeah, he just sprays line <clears throat> drives all over the place. So uh, going on to the second round, uh, outfielder James Wood out of the IMG Academy, six foot seven, two 240 pounds. I saw some Twitter video of this guy. He's a freaking monster. At like seven, like hitting tanks at his neck. Yeah, and he doesn't even look, he looks wiry. Yeah. At 230, 240 pounds. He's still a thin looking dude. Somebody said baby Fran Mill, and it's like, no, this guy's actually like three, maybe four inches like taller than Richie Fran Mill. Sexton, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good right. That's a good one. I think he was 6'6. Six, six. So Carlos Calazo tweeted uh, James Wood to the Padres makes all the sense in the world. They chase upside, and Woods has a monster upside. He entered this year as a potential top 10 pick, huge raw power, moves well for his size, but didn't have a good spring and whiffed a lot. The MLB draft has tremendous raw power that showed up consistently in batting practice with glimpses of it in games. Right now, it's more of a hashed, handsy swing, and it should tap into the pop as he learns to use his lower half better. That will allow him to stay back longer on soft stuff with his ability to adjust to that, a big factor in him reaching his power potential, which could be hitting 25 to 30 homers. Use his lower half. That's what Raul Padron did with Taylor Chamil when he came over. Right. Got him to engage that lower half. Mm-hmm. Start using the whole body, not just your arms. Yeah, you don't roll over the ball so easily yeah. when you're doing that, too. Uh, the, the MLB's scouting report, they said that uh, f- for his fielding, um, he's shown the ability to cover a lot of ground smoothly in center field with an outstanding arm that would work in right field should he outgrow center. So a six foot seven guy, and you're talking about him potentially sticking in center field, that's kind of unheard of. Yeah. You don't see center fielders that big. I think of uh, um, was it Tory Hunter or Denard Span? One of those guys is like six foot four, yeah. And that's kind of the prototypical <laughs> center fielder these days. They start getting bigger than that. You're into like Aaron Judge territory, and you get slower because you start adding weight, and right? It's just that's a lot of body, right? But he's got the good arms, so if he moves to third base, then so be it. Uh, but the raw power is really what's the intriguing tool here. <laughs> so Baseball America in their scouting report, he said um, he has some of the best raw power in the class which some scouts have given a future 70 grade. That's on the 20 to 80 scale. Yeah. He moves exceptionally well for his size and has played an impressive center field. He can throw, and he showed impressive bat-to-ball skills with a smooth and leveraged left-handed swing last spring. However, for as good as Wood was a year ago, he struggled this spring while playing for perhaps the most scrutinized and heavily scouted high school team in the nation. So he was at the IMG Academy in Florida, which is where Jacob Nix went. That's where um, uh, Logan Allen went. Really? So yeah, it, it's 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 a baseball high school. It's a baseball prep high school. Okay. Um, and so yeah, they're going to play all the best teams yeah. from all over the place. And it sounds like coming into the season, 
everybody had their eyes on him, and then there was a lot of swing and miss. Right. So that's where his stock has fallen. In fact, it fell so bad that Keith Law, he put out his top 100, didn't even rank him. And he, really? And in the comments at the bottom of his article, he said that, that he was awful in games this year. Okay. Well, that, and that's fine. He, that's a lot of body. That's a lot of arms and elbows. And it takes a long time, I think, really to figure that kind of stuff out. For sure. I wouldn't mind seeing Richie Sexton's uh, scouting report back when he was in high school and college. Yeah, yeah. But I, all I can think of with Richie Sexton is seeing him hit just monster Tanks. home runs in, yeah. in Arizona <laughs> up in the, in the Franchi Cordero neighborhood, hitting his own face yeah. on the scoreboard. <laughs> so, but, so Joshua Mears was one of these guys that yeah. was drafted out of high school last year. And it's like, what's he going to do? Actually, no, 2019. I'm sorry. Um, How is he going to develop? And now in, in single A, at age 20, he's near the league leaders in OPS. He's absolutely hitting for power. Yeah, he's swinging and missing a ton, but he's making up for it with the production that he's got. Right, right. He's hitting, I think, 212, 220. Yeah, but he's, he's drawing some walks. Yeah. And he's when he makes contact, the it ball goes well. a long yeah. way. He's hit a few home runs this week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go tomorrow, uh, ah. and hopefully I get a good glimpse of it. Tomorrow's rated R night at Lake Elsinore Storm. I don't know what that means in a little what to know about rated R night. It did say that they're not allowed to have profanity per MLB guidelines. Right. So I don't know exactly how you can do rated R without having, you know, it's still... <laughs> You know, they're going to make it fun, and that's a great sure. thing. And you don't want, you know, and kids aren't supposed to come, but you know, I'm sure some kids are going to show up. If you bring your kid, you have to sign a waiver. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious to see what they put up on the on the score on the big video boards and all that stuff. Well, dude, take your notes, bring it back to us, and we'll talk about it next week. Okay. But moving on to competitive balance B. Yes, Robert Gasser, uh, fourth year junior out of Houston. Um, he's a left-handed pitcher. He's six foot one, 190 pounds. Um, MLB ranked him number 88, and they said he opened eyes when he pitched seven scoreless innings against Texas and projected first-rounder Ty Madden this February, and he now should go in the top two or three rounds as one of the best college left-handers available. That reminds me of the, the draft story behind uh, Jacob deGrom, that everybody was there to see Chris Sale, and Jacob deGrom was the opposing pitcher, and he wound up, and Sale threw a great game that day, right. But DeGrom blew everybody away with, like, I didn't know that this guy was this good. Uh, so Gasser spent his layoff in the weight room in 2020. In the weight room and on the field, long tossing and lifting. It paid off as he showed up in 2021 throwing harder and with sharper secondaries. So he sits in the low 90s. Um, he can reach back for 94, 95 miles an hour when he needs it. He's added a pause in his delivery that seems to mess with hitters' timing. He's got an above an average slider. Um, He's got a sh- uh, he's shown feel for spotting a mid 80s below average changeup, although that change lacks separation and late drop and fade to be a weapon. I saw one of the in MLB's write up. I think they said that it kind of looked like it could it could become a uh, batting practice fastball right. when it doesn't have the fade and it just kind of hangs up there. But that's you know tools that you're trying to develop. Um, so he's an interesting pick. I like the name. Gasser, yeah. that's a good name for a pitcher, uh, and it just happens that in the tenth round they drafted a catcher named Colton Bender. So I'm looking forward to the Caster, Gasser Bender, Bender battery. <laughs> I like I like fun names, and the Padres picked a bunch of guys with fun names. So Baseball America said Gas, uh, Gasser projects as a back of the rotation arm, but one with high likelihood of success thanks to his work ethic and steady improvement. So he can probably move quick, you know, like Eric Lauer. Joey Lucchese type, you know, move quick to the majors and then try to make his adjustments there and, and figure it out. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the work ethic is something 
So we know that that the Padres are a scouting heavy kind of a of a group. They yeah. they yeah they look at the analytics. They want to know the numbers are there, but they put eyes on everybody. They talk to the coaches and the families and all this to try to know the person, the player. Um, and it seems like they've they've focused more on that, getting guys with yeah. a good baseball IQ, good work ethic, uh, and, and I think that started to reap some rewards. You know, absolutely. You want you know as much as you want to draft these guys, and they've got to be coachable. For and, sure. And sure, I'm sure the amateur guys, and I'm probably talking to my tail here, but, you know, some kids get drafted, like, this is what got me to college, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is as far as I can go. Or, right. You know what I mean? If, if they're coachable, they have work ethic. I've heard it. God, who, who just said it? Um, I saw it on Twitter from, I think, Justice Sheffield. Like, I've seen a lot of guys, you know, better than me not go far because they didn't work hard. Okay. You know, so it's it, the work ethic is huge. They scout the man, not just the player. For sure. And it, I, so Buddy Reed was the first guy that we had a chance to talk to. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know, you know, work ethic or coachability or anything like that, but he was a guy that was drafted based on like raw athletic skills. Yeah. And there, the, 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 the concerns with him at draft time were that he's never going to be able to hit like he did when he was in college against advanced pitching. And that turned out to be true. It seemed like the Padres were drafting based on, you know, dreaming about this athletic guy who's got speed and he's got the strength to hit for power, but you got to be able to hit. Um, And that just never came around with it. Yeah. And I think after that year, Preller really did kind of move towards away from the toolsy potential to like this. He's really good at McKenzie Gore, really good at pitching. Mm -hmm. You know, Robert Hassel III hits. Yep. That's all the kid does is hit. Yeah, Xavier C- Edwards. Xavier Edwards mm-hmm. hits. Yes. You know, so they can do something really good, and then they can coach the rest. Then they can develop the rest. Right. I mean, what's the most important skill for a position player? Right. How well they can hit. Yeah. Yeah, if the guy can hit, you will find a place for him. So if he happened, does everything else well, but he can't really hit all that great, he's not going to make it past double A. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving on to the third round. Uh, the Padres drafted Kevin Copps, a fourth-year senior out of Arkansas. He's a right-handed pitcher. He's six feet tall. And he had one of the best years of anybody in the 2021 season. Uh, but working mostly as a reliever, he kind of popped up this year. And he's one of three finalists for the Golden Spikes Award. The other two are Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt. Two of the Top absolute 10. best pitchers yeah. in all of, of, of you know amateur baseball. Yeah. Um, and they've been on the radar for a long time. Kevin Copps kind of came out of nowhere with Arkansas pitching in the SEC. Uh, and it's it sounds like he's reliever-specific kind of a guy. Um, he's already had Tommy John. He's a little bit older. He's, what, 24, 24 years old. He's the oldest guy the Padres selected. Uh, but he's got a slider that's just unhittable. So and it, it sounds like uh, when he pitches it up in the zone, uh, it has more of a cutter kind of an action. And then when he gets to two strikes, he'll pitch down in the zone a little bit, and it'll look almost like a curveball, and it just disappears. And you saw in the video clips I saw, there was just all these ugly swings from guys that were just way out on their front foot. Because he also has a fastball that he could run into the mid-90s. It usually sits kind of high 80s, low 90s, and he can can top out at like 94. Uh, But that slider is where it's all at. And he's one guy that everybody seems to think could move real quick through this organization. Yeah, uh, ranked, Baseball America said even college hitters that know he's going to throw his plus-plus mid-80 slider cutter can't lay off it. He can throw it for strikes where its late movement still makes it tough to hit. And when he gets to two strikes, he can lower this target and watch the hitter swing over it. Almost unhittable slider in the dirt. I love how the specific drafted reliever guy. Mm-hmm. You know, 
obviously everyone pitches that always at some time was a was a, a starter, and I'm sure a lot of pitchers want to be starters, but eventually they come to the bullpen, and getting a guy that already knows he's going to be in the bullpen can can develop that skill. Right, and so he's already he's already learned how to get hot quick. He's learned how to come in foaming at the mouth in these high leverage situations. So there's there's not a whole lot of development you need to do with a guy like right. that. Uh, so Dennis Lynn wrote a whole article about Kevin Copps. Uh, there was a quote from uh, the Arkansas pitching coach. He's like a modern reliever. He's got a pitch that's tough to hit, and he'll throw it 60% of the time. You see it with guys who have elite fastballs. They'll throw it 90% of the time because it's the pitch they go to. These are the, there are guys with breaking balls who come in for an inning and throw 80% breaking balls. He's a modern pitcher. And it makes me think of Austin Adams, that when he comes right. in, you know it's going to be slider 90% of the time, and then he'll throw a fastball that kind of catches guys off guard because they're used to seeing it dart away, and now it stays up and in. And it, it, he has control problems, but at the same time, he's one of the most dominant relievers in baseball right yeah, now. Yeah. So maybe cops might have a future like that. That sounds good. He throws that fastball 24% of the time, and over time, just 17% of the time. So it's that's a show-me pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's really. Like a knuckle, you know, fastball for Tim Wakefield. It's like, I'll throw the curve fastball once every five at-bats. Right, because he's know. kind of pitching backwards. Yeah. To the the off-speed is the bread and butter, and then the fastball is like a change of pace. So I like the fourth round pick, left-handed pitcher Jackson Wolf. That's a great name, by the way, yes. Jackson <laughs> Wolf. Got to be a ball player. Yeah, Jackson Wolf, or maybe that's like you know, like an action hero, like Jackson Wolf. I, it only it makes me wish that we had a, a team in the minors that that fit with that. Right, right. Like you know, some Wolf kind of a dog or, team. Right. We have little chihuahuas. We have the of chihuahuas. Course, we have the chihuahuas. Like, so the we have a the wolf in the chihuahua den or something like that. Okay. <laughs> Another two, 22 years old, six foot seven, 200 pounds. Uh, this is notes from the Padres War Room. Loose arm, 90 to 93 with an angle. Uh, MLB ranked, uh, not, he wasn't ranked by MLB, but the stuff is fringy to average with the fastball that averages 89 and tops out at 93 to go along with the mid 70s slider and low 80s changeup. All which can he throw for strikes. It took a tick up in the bullpen. But also at six seven, that stuff plays up. Right. And so you talk about the angle. And that's where I have I haven't seen footage of him. I'm not sure what his arm slot looks like. But if he's thrown over the top, then there's incredible tilt on that fastball. Yeah. If he's out from the side, then you're almost in like Randy uh, uh, Randy Johnson territory, where it's just coming from way out on the side. And how does a guy that's same handed, you know, that would be a left handed hitter, what do you do with that when it looks like it's coming out of the second baseman? <laughs> it ends up at your hip. Right. <laughs> So, Baseball America ranked him number 231. By the way, they ranked Kevin Copps 238. Um, So, 231 by Baseball America. He works in the 88 to 91 mile an hour range, gets up to 93, 94 at its best. But teams love the vertical break on his fastball and believe it plays up thanks to his size and the spin profile. Wolf also throws a slurvy breaking ball in the upper 70s that looks more like a slider at times and more like a three-quarter curveball at others. The pitch shows solid tilt and late bite at its best, but it can get loopy and hittable as well. All right, so that the is that the shirt when he makes it? What? That's the turv. It's a slurvy. <laughs> Something like that. Something. Like, I, I don't know. I think we need to play with the Jackson Wolf. Name. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, he'll have a, he'll have the Wolf Pack. Oh, here's another. The fifth rounder, second baseman, Max Ferguson, from Tennessee. Age 21, uh, break number 44 by MLB.com. In the past, Ferguson displayed a sweet left-handed swing, controlled the strike zone extremely well, and barreled balls with ease. Though his strength and bat speed decreased with this spring, he also looked to drive the ball in the air to his pull side much more often than in the past. He did produce more home runs and continued to draw walks. 
but he struck out a lot. Right. Okay. So MLB in their write-up, they said viewed as similar to Senzel. So Nick Senzel also went to Tennessee. So viewed as similar to Senzel as a hit over power guy with the tools to play all over the diamond, Ferguson had a chance to climb into the first round. While he helped Tennessee reach the College World Series for the first time since 2005, he had a mystifying season as he lost weight and changed his approach at the plate. So he, it sounds like he went a little bit more kind of like selling out for power. Right. Um, and losing weight at the same time, I'm not sure what that's about. Uh, but that's where you get the, de- the player development guys. And, okay, we're going to teach you how to eat, how to train, how to, you know, how to prepare your body. Right. Um, and you can do mechanical tweaks with a guy that's straight out. I mean, he's a college junior, so he's a little older. You're not going to completely revamp his swing like you would with a high schooler, but there's still opportunities to, okay, this is what you used to do well. This is what you're doing now. We want to get you back to, to, to what was working. So I'm, a Senzel comp isn't bad. No, not at all. Yeah. He's and, in the majors. Yeah, some injuries have kind of moved him off, uh, but it sounds like he has the opportunity to stick in the infield. Um, but if not, he has the athleticism to play the outfield. And, you know, if a guy can hit, then then he'll go, you know, they'll find a place for him. Yeah, absolutely. And they can make, they'll pull that hitting out of him if he has it. For sure. <clears throat> so in, a, in the Baseball America's write-up, they said Ferguson's a good athlete and a plus runner who has always stolen bases at a high success rate. And this spring went 15 for 19. That's a 79% success rate in stolen base attempts. He's played second base for Tennessee and has more than enough speed and athleticism to handle the position. But some scouts would like to see him in center field thanks to his running ability and the fact that he doesn't always look natural with his defensive actions on the dirt. That last little part about the defensive actions on the dirt, we used to hear that about C.J. Abrams. And then a year in the Padres organization, and everybody's like, nope, he's a shortstop. He, yep. he can stick now. Yeah. So something changed. <laughs> so I think that, that, again, speaks to what player development might be able to do for a guy. Absolutely. So moving on, like we're in the sixth round, the right-handed pitcher, Ryan Berger, out of West Virginia. Uh, notes from the Padres' roll room, back throwing after undergoing Tommy John surgery. He showed well at the recent combine, 92 to 95, with four pitches. Scott's liked him entering the year thanks to his high spin four seam fastball and two solid breaking pitches in the low 80s in a low 80s slider and a mid 70s curve. If he was healthy, some scouts thought he could have a breakout spring this season. So Baseball America had an article uh, titled one underrated 2021 MLB draft pick we like from all 30 teams. And for the Padres, they picked Berger. Uh, They said a few years ago, the Dodgers selected West Virginia's Michael Grove in the second round, even though he didn't pitch that spring as he recovered from Tommy John surgery. That hasn't worked out for the Dodgers, at least yet. Now the Padres are doing the same thing with another West Virginia pitcher. Bergert has a high spin fastball, two promising breaking balls, or at least he did pre-elbow surgery. So, and and Cal Quantrill was also somebody that they picked after going through Tommy John surgery and missing a season. So they must know something about, you know, the makeup, the work ethic, you know, what kind, what he's showing as he's coming out. Maybe he's had some, some showcases without pitching in, in actual games. Uh, I think it's notable that Jackson Wolf and Ryan Bergert both come out of West Virginia. Wonder who that area scout is. Right. Well, and we've also seen a lot of guys out of Tennessee, too. So they got a, they got a pretty good scout out that, out that way. <laughs> Well, in Ryan Weathers and Robert Hassel the third, right? Yep, in North Carolina, that whole area. Okay, so rounding out the top, the last, uh, the, the last three of the top ten drafts, seventh round left-handed pitcher Ryan Oak out of Southern Mississippi, reliever struck out forty-one percent of batters he faced in two thousand twenty-one, plus fastball up to ninety-six, not ranked with MLB or Baseball America. Eighth round, second base Lucas Dunn from Louisville, age twenty-two, notes from the War Room. 
Um, athlete with versatility, strong and fast, could convert the catcher. Oh. Padres in there converting kids into catchers. Yeah. I love that. I thought I saw that. I'm like, hell yeah. Okay. Okay. Another Johnny Holmesa, maybe? Absolutely. Ninth round, right-handed pitcher Garrett Hawkins at the University of British Columbia. A Canuck. Can- you're right. <laughs> Notes from the Padres War Room, really good fastball with plus characteristics to carry finish. A big-time strike thrower. And that's what Padre, that's you know, that's why we draft him and they strike throwers. So ending it out to 10th round, that is Colton Catcher, Colton Bender from Quinnipiac University, age 22. Which is in Connecticut. I did not know that. I had to look it up. Right. <laughs> uh, the Padre's uh, war room notes on him, well, played in two summer leagues, posting a 1.043 OPS in one and a 7.08 in the other. Good makeup kid with catch and throw ability. So the, the back end of the... For the second day of the draft, which is rounds two through ten, it they went with a bunch of four-year seniors, mm-hmm. and these are all college guys. The top two guys in the draft are high school seniors, and then after that, um, you have to go to the very end of the of the third day of the draft to get to another high school player. So typically, okay, so the the way the bonus works out, the the pool, every dollar spent on the first ten picks comes out of your pool. Right. So oftentimes at the end of that of that first 10 picks, teams take a lot of guys from college that are probably going to sign for, I'll say, less than 50000 or less. Under slot value. You'll see some 10000 even $5,000 signings with these guys. So, yeah, they're a long shot, uh, but who knows they might make it. They're, they're, they're college seniors and juniors, so their opportunities in professional baseball are probably pretty limited. Right. So they'll be happy to take the opportunity to, to say they played pro ball, have a chance to maybe make it if everything happens to fall right. So, at and, the, and Preller does that with masterful ease. He does. Signs the young under slot guys to save money for other guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think that's part of the strategy here. So Merrill Jackson, um, they picked him 27th overall. The rankings, so I've got MLB had him at 79, Baseball America had him at 102, Fangraphs had him at 72, and The Athletic, uh, Keith Law, had him at 99. So that's way ahead of what his ranking would suggest. So that tells me that he's going to sign for a little bit less than his slot. Now, he's a high school player, so he's going to take some money to break his his commitment to University of Kentucky. But they're probably going to save some money with that pick. Where is he going to go? He's probably going to go to the guy they took in the second round, James Wood. Yeah. So he was cons- he was ranked again. MLB had him at forty four, Baseball America at thirty five, and Fangraphs had him at seventy. So he's a consensus kind of fringe second round first, you know, between like early right. second right. round pick. Um, and so the slot value is one point one million, uh, but where he was picked is more or what his rankings are is probably more like one and a half to two million. So they're going to have to use some money from that first pick and also from all these guys at the end of the first day to sign James Wood away from his commitment to Mississippi State, which is one of the powerhouse, one of the baseball powerhouses in the country. At the very end of the draft, in the 18th and the 20th round, they took a couple of, uh, of swing for the fences kind of picks. So in the 18th round, they picked Gage Jump, which is a fantastic baseball name. He's got to make the majors. Gage Jump from J. Sarah Catholic High School, which is also the alma mater for Austin Hedges. Hmm. Uh, 
so he's a left-handed pitcher. He's five foot ten. He's undersized, but the scouts just go gaga over him. Um, so MLB in their write-up, they said, if you like guys who really know how to pitch, then you might look past jump size and be really interested in the Southern Cal recruit. He carved up hitters at events over the summer, like the Perfect Game National Showcase, the Baseball Factory All-American Classic, and the WWBA World Championship. He can throw four pitches for strikes with a fastball that typically sits around 92 but can touch 94 to 95, a heater described as dark by some scouts because hitters just don't pick it up. While undersized, Jump is extremely competitive and super athletic on the mound, helping him repeat his delivery and throw strikes, though some see a little effort and more control than command. So that is a high ceiling kind of a profile. Yeah. Um, probably not somebody that's going to that's gonna sign out of high school. He sounds like he wants to go to, to USC, but they're going to pick him. Um, Actually, I know in my notes here, I have him committed to UCLA. So there's a little conflict of information there. Baseball America said UCLA. Okay, so also I saw that tweet. That's the kid on Twitter that said Omaha, hashtag Omaha, and the Bruins colors. Oh, okay. And then Mad Friars subtweeted that going, that answers that question. You know, that, there you go. Okay. So he, he's probably going to, that says he's going to commit to UCLA. Right. So I guess the, the, the theory there, the, uh, the working theory is that you draft the kid you have an opportunity to have a conversation and get to know him a little bit, and then you follow him and see if something's going to shake out down the road. Yeah, no longer is there draft and follow. You can't draft a guy and follow him until he gets to, through college. Right. Draft that, him, create that relationship. Yeah, and I don't, know, I, I, I don't know what the numbers are on how often those guys, when they finally become draft eligible, if, if the team winds up coming back and pick them. I, I can't right. think of, a, of an instance where that happened. Uh, but I guess it's possible. Uh, and then they did it again in the 20th round. They picked uh, another pitcher named Chase Burns, a six foot four uh, lefty. Um, no, I'm sorry. He's the righty. J- uh, Gage Jump is the lefty. But Chase Burns out of Beach High School in Tennessee. Um, Burns pitches at 92 to 96 miles an hour, regularly touches 98, and peaks in the triple digits with his fastball, which has outstanding induced vertical break and some natural cutting action. He uses both an upper 70s curveball and mid-80s cutter slider that both grade as solid offerings with scouts split as to which is better. Burns has a strong 6'4 build but is more physical than athletic. The Tennessee recruit has a long arm action and some effort in his delivery, so he presents some reliever risk. He's trending up, however, and has the upside to pitch in the front half of a rotation. And he's committed to Tennessee, another another you know, SEC school. He's from Tennessee, so there's probably some some state pride right, there. Right, right, right. Yeah, he, maybe he's one of these kids that like grew up, you know, full-on burnt orange, you know, volunteer fan of the core. Uh, but who knows? And yeah. I guess I don't, I don't know what the strategy is that maybe they, they, uh, they, they have a conversation with him. They see if maybe they can throw a whole bunch of money with him and sign him and then, you know, try to figure out where that money's going to come from, from the top of the draft. Yeah. Uh, I, but the chances are, he's not going to, he's not going to sign. And that's fine. And that's but, fine. You know, and, and what I love what Jim Callis wrote on the day too. Rule of thumb: If they get picked today, they're signing only. They're signing only two of 317 in the top 10 rounds in 2019 didn't sign. Only four of 314 in 2018. So most of the second row, day, second day guys are going to sign. Right, but so you look at these 20 guys that they picked. Aside from those two high school guys at the back end, pretty much everybody else you can assume that they're going to sign. Yeah, I, they're going to get 17 or 18 minor leaguers out of this. Uh, one interesting thing that I found. So 13 round Kobe Robinson out of Chattanooga State 
and 19th round Gabriel Rinconis out of St. Peter- Petersburg College were both born on March 3rd, 2001. Huh. Yeah, there's something to that date. The March 3rd babies. Yeah. So I'm going to keep an eye on who signs for how much. I'm also going to try to keep an eye on undrafted free agents. Uh, so on Twitter, as I did last year, I'm going to give some some rolling updates as they get close to the end of it. Right. To see how much money's left in the pool, what players are still out there that are unsigned. I find that game The dirty part of it, the money part of it. Yeah. You have your Google Docs right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so I've got my little spreadsheet set up here, uh, and I'll I'll see how things shake out. All right, and let the continue uh, the conversation continue with you and John Conniff. Yeah, on, on the Twitter DM. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy to help John stay up to yeah. date with all of this. Absolutely. So hey, that's it. Uh, you guys stay tuned for the interview with Dylan Sin. Fantastic time I had with him. It's way overdue. Uh, check it out. It's coming up next. Well, I'm joined here with Dylan Sin. Uh, he's the beat writer for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps and writes for the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. God, it has been too long. I feel bad. Dylan, how you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. You're exactly right. It has been too long. I'm so glad to be back on with you and uh, talking Tin Caps baseball again. Well, you know, now you know now with the after the the realignment of of my, the minor leagues, you are now in a in a higher level of of uh, of play. I am. I am where uh, the Tin Caps are high A this year for the first time. Um, I actually have a story coming out uh, a week from today about the differences the Tin Caps have seen between low A and high A. So we know we are now a high A team, uh, and it's it's been it's been great. I mean, obviously the teams in the league are the same. Uh, Twelve teams from the Midwest League transferred into high A Central. Uh, so you're playing the same team, but the players you've seen they're a little bit older. They're a little bit more mature. Um, and, and it's it's actually a lot of the same players we had yeah. here in 2019. <laughs> a lot of a lot of guys that the the euphemism uh, some people use around here is that they were promoted from Fort Wayne to Fort Wayne. Yeah. So you know it's it, that's kind of what happened, and we have a lot of familiar faces here, which has been great. You know, we have been we have been we have been just messing up on calling it the Midwest High A Midwest League. We still call it the Midwest League or the High A. Central League, right? You're at High A Central. High A Central is is the official name of it. I, I think that I think that needs a little work, but you know that's uh, that's not my department. <laughs> God, you know we've called Pacific Coast League over here. It's like Triple A West. It's it's just um, I think as time goes on, that stuff will develop itself. Um, but God, you know, it, uh, let's get right into it. And I was watching the game when it happened. Anderson Espinosa's last start. Um, you know, obviously he comes off the off the mound. You know, the umpires check him. Um, and he gets ejected. I mean, that was huge. That was a shocker. And it was a shocker to him as well. Yeah, it was very obvious that he was surprised because what um, what basically happened is the new rule in the minor leagues, which is kind of filtered down from the major leagues, is that starting pitcher is checked sometime in the first three innings. The umpire gets to decide when that is. Um, and so Espinosa was prepared to be checked. As soon as the umpire came over, he dropped his hat and glove, and he was just kind of waiting there, seeming like, okay, they're going to check. I'm, they're going to find nothing. I'm going to come off. And they found something they, they believed in his glove and um, he was ejected. And you could tell as soon as the umpire did kind of the heave ho signal, he was very surprised. Yeah. And so that, that, that was interesting to see. But he was um, apparently they, they, they did their due diligence. And he was suspended for 10 games. So he will not be available again to pitch until this coming Saturday in uh, West Michigan. So right. and that took a while, right? It took like. If he was it did. from that day, he should be pitching pretty close to now. Exactly. So I, I, I'm not exactly sure what happened between the, the, the ejection and kind of the 
the start officially of the suspension, but there was a, a five or six day gap there where it was unclear kind of what was happening. Um, and so you wonder whether he was appealing uh, uh, in some way because he really did think there wasn't anything on his glove, whether it was the same thing we've seen in the majors where some guys have a mix of what they say is rosin and sunscreen and it's just and, and the umpire decided to eject them. But yeah, it's, it was it was very interesting, and that was interesting inning for Espinoza because he, I believe, he struck out three in the inning. He hit ninety eight miles an hour with his yeah. fastball. His stuff looked good, but he also threw forty one pitches in that one inning, and so it was a really interesting interesting inning for him. <laughs> and so you you don't know what you know. I don't you don't know if they tested the glove or they just came back with saying that it was you know. I know in the major leagues they're they're trying to test the gloves to see what it, actually where it is, and I doubt that they're going to really announce what it was, but. Nothing like that. Yeah, that, that, that's basically kind of kind of the situation that we're in right now. Is we know the glove was was uh, in the major leagues. We know the gloves are tested. We don't really know what's actually found, even if the pitcher's suspended. But here, we're not even sure whether the glove was actually tested. Um, right. The the tin caps have actually not sent out an official release um, from basically saying that he's suspended. The only reason that that we know he is is because manager Anthony Contreras told me okay. and was that he was like, yeah, he got ten games, but we don't know anything really details okay. beyond that. Yeah. So it's been, you know, two Tommy Johns. Like we saw him in 2018. Um, it was so exciting. It was when we had Luis Patino, uh, Mackenzie Gore, and then, oh my God, Anderson Espinosa pitching for after his first Tommy John. Pitched like a half an inning, had good velocity, and then just he walked off the mound. Um, and soon, I think later that later that month or so, he threw out his arm again. Uh, back in Fort Wayne, he started in Fort Wayne. What is old, what is new? Uh, but he has looked really good. What have you seen from him? Yeah, I mean, obviously the velocity is there. I think that's the important thing is is that the velocity is where it was before the injury, possibly even a tick higher. Like he was hitting 97 before the injury. He's hit 98 several times this season. Um, the slider's good. The, the, the issue with him, and it's been the issue for his entire career, is the command, right? There have been times where the command has just not been quite where – uh, they want it to be. It's not been quite where the, the Padres are hoping it will be eventually. And obviously that that's that's a little bit disappointing considering he had four years between a, of lost development time. And you kind of imagine what it would have been like if he'd been able to pitch that all that time. Yeah. But the stuff the stuff is still obviously there. Um, and so because he the problem is that he's missed the command is not only walks, he's missing in the strike zone, too. So he's given up some home runs recently as well. Um, there was a start at the beginning of the year where he didn't make it out of the first thing and that's kind of inflated his ERA a little bit, but generally, yeah, the, the bottom line is the stuff is there. The command is still a work in progress, uh, and they're still working on building him up back to starter level because he has only pitched a maximum of three innings yeah. so far this year. So he's still getting his, um, uh, kind of endurance back as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And I've watched almost every start and it, you know, it becomes SP day <laughs> whenever he pitches, you see it on Twitter and I, and I, I the results for me didn't really matter. I, I don't care. Throw as many pitches as you need to. As long as he stays healthy, everything else will kind of come along as he continues to get back on the mound pitching against competition. Yeah, and that's the thing. is He has been healthy. He missed one start very early in the year. I believe it was his, his second scheduled start of the year. He missed because of some, some arm fatigue. But outside of that, he's been perfectly fine. And, and, and the, the important part is not only has he pitched, the velocity has been there yeah, in each the start. So, so you can tell that the arm is feeling good. Yeah, and I, just one more thing on that. I, I just, uh, you know, I, you know, it's, it's. I don't want that to follow him. The the stuff on the glove follow him because it's so easy to have your glove on the bench and have it, you know, picked up by a player or picked up by someone else. And you know, like you said, the, the sweat, some kind of transfer of rosin sweat, and then you touch your glove because you have to hold your glove. It gets on there, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, sticky, you know, tacky tacky or whatever. I, I just, I, I don't like it. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a tough situation, right? And, w- and without knowing further details, it's hard to say, like, here's here's what happened and, and whether uh, how, how much that's going to affect him going forward. Uh, I would assume if the Padres were particularly worried about it, they would have said something. Right. But I, but it seems like um, this this might be a one-time thing for him, but we'll have to – it's something to keep an eye on going forward, obviously, but it seems like it's a one-time thing for him. So moving on to someone who has been in Fort Wayne and who's back in Fort Wayne, Terso mm-hmm. Ornelas. Um you know, that first month, it was just, you know, we get a little nervous. <laughs> but he has been tearing it up, and he just hit his first home run uh, this last week. Yeah, Ed Ornelas is back. He was in Fort Wayne in 2018, got the, got up to high A in 2019. Wasn't great in, in high A, so he, he's repeating the level. But he's been he's been good this year, especially in June, uh, in the, and especially in the early part of July. He leads, the, leads high A Central in doubles. He has 19 of those, and that's kind of been the story of his season is there's power there, but it's not really home run power at this point because what Anthony Contreras told me was that his swing is more formulated for line drives right now. There's not a whole lot of backspin that he gets okay. on the ball. He's hitting the ball with good exit velocities, but it's a question of kind of getting under it and getting it into the air. The launch angle isn't there, and I think the Padres are kind of pushing him to try to get the ball in the air a little bit more. And the home run we saw just the other day was his first one of the season. Um, and that, that one was one where he turned on a fastball in the inner half and, and drove it out to right center uh, about 400 feet. And so that's the kind of thing that the Tin Caps and, and the Padres want him to do more often. Turn some of those doubles yeah. that are in the gap into home runs. And I think that's something they're going to – that's the next level of his development because he is physically developed. Like when you oh talk God. about – Growing into power, he is as physically developed as anyone on this roster. And I mean, you saw we saw him back in 2018. And you saw him before that. He was built back then. Then he comes back after COVID, and you're just like, oh my god, how can Adonis be 2.0? It's just, God, the kid is ripped. Uh, we're we're super excited, and and, uh, and I hope you know. For me, the, the, the you want him to hit line drives. The power will come. They always say the let him hit, uh, let him hit the doubles. The doubles will turn into you know to to the home runs later on, but um. It's it's nice to have him back. Now let's talk about another new name, Augustin. Uh, a new name, Augustin Ruiz. I had a little bit of he's been showing a lot of power there, but he had a little bit of a cup of coffee there back in Fort Wayne a couple of years back. But uh, he's really kind of shown himself to be uh, got a power hitter, really. Yeah, yeah, he's been in the top the top five, top ten in the league in, in home runs and RBI all year long. He hit two home runs in a game, including a grand slam early in the year. So he tied the Fort Wayne uh, franchise record with eight RBI. Uh, in one game, he's a guy who has power. That that that's his calling card. And that's the way he's going to get to the majors. Is he has power? Uh, he is a slugger from the left side of the plate, uh, and, and it's mostly power to the pull side right now. I think they're trying to get him to develop some to to the, uh, the opposite field and kind of get it to spray a little bit more. But it is mostly pull side power now. And in the outfield, he has a really good arm too. So it's he, he's a he's a, a very good right fielder as well. Uh, and he, he's a he's a guy who every time he comes to the plate, he's capable of hitting a home run, and that, that's a good guy you want on your team in yeah. Fort Wayne, and it's another guy you want on your team in San Diego someday, <laughs> hopefully. Absolutely. So his so he has a good arm. Does he have the speed? Does he have a good jump? And is, he gonna, is defense going to play? Yeah, I, I think the defense will play. Uh, he's not a burner by any means, but right. he's definitely fast enough to play out there uh, in right field. He's not going to be a, a designated hitter when he gets to the majors, uh, unless some team really wants him out there. But. But yeah, he is. He's a, that he'll definitely be able to play out there in a, in a corner spot. Okay, and another name that has kind of jumped out um, from from the games that I've been watching is Moises Lugo. Uh, he had a, he's the one who had the brief spot in 2019, and he's been pitching really well. Yeah, so Lugo is an interesting case because uh, he has some of the best stuff uh, in the in the league. Essentially, he has his fastball this year has touched 95, 96. 
Uh, he's got a good slider, good changeup. Uh, and and the biggest problem for him, kind of like Espinosa, is the command is not quite there yet. But he is he strikes out guys at, at a very high clip, and it's just a question of can he cut down on the walks? Because not only is he walking guys, he's throwing a lot of pitches, and that's kind of keeping his starts, even when he's pitching well, it's keeping them relatively short, four innings at most usually, yeah. because he's struggling to, to get out of innings. He's taking 15, 20, 25 pitches an inning. And the, the but the interesting thing with Lugo uh, in the last couple starts is there's it's, he hasn't been quite as good uh, in the last few starts. Um, his velocity has been down. Um, his his uh, slider isn't breaking quite as much, uh, and so he struggled significantly his last two times out. And then today uh, he started. He only went one inning, and, and we were told that he was taken out because of arm fatigue. Okay. Uh, and he he will be scheduled to start on Saturday against West Michigan this coming week. But that's something to monitor. Because as I said, his velocity was down the last couple of starts. Yeah, you know, and I'm not sure how long he he pitched. You know, a couple. Of, this is going to be happening a lot, I think, with these guys. Um, I don't want to say it happens in Fort Wayne because of Ryan Weathers, but um, you know, th- there's going to be fatigue in some of these guys. They're they're new to pitching this much and this often, and it, it's just going to happen. You know, it, it's you know, I see the same thing with um with the big league club and Ryan Weathers um, pitching. The stuff is there. It just, it's efficiency. And, and I think with, with the starting pitches, you need to learn that in the minors. You can't really learn that in the major leagues, um, but he's been doing really well up in the majors that Ryan Weathers has. Yes. And, and that's the thing is that's kind of one of the biggest differences between low A and high A is the guys in high A generally have pitched a full season before, yeah. and they kind of know a little bit about how to keep their bodies um, under control and throughout throughout a full season. Uh, Lugo is a guy who kind of was promoted aggressively, and so that's something that he's still working through and how, how to how to maintain yourself throughout a full season. But yeah, the, the stuff is there for him uh, to be a very very good pitcher going forward. A guy that's kind of underrated in the system, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. So Carlton Lowen uh, has come on the scene. You know, I, I followed him on Twitter. Uh, sorry, I followed him on Instagram, and he was posting. You know, bullpens all this time, hitting 94, hitting 96. Uh, he comes in with that hair, with that with that blonde salad of his and just blows guys away, man. What have you seen? Well, just tell me about him being the closer. Yeah, he, he's he been great uh, to have as the closer. And if you know anything about the Tin Caps this year, kind of their Achilles heel has been the bullpen, right? It, it's been kind of the starting pitching has been good. They've scored enough runs generally. Uh, the bullpen has just kind of let them down a few times. And that that's kind of been the story of the season. But that when they get to the late innings, the bullpen has been very good, and Carter Lowen is a big part of that. He's got the big fastball, as you said, 95, 96, hit 97 a couple times on the stadium gun, um, and he's got a big slider, too. Like the, the slider has a lot of bite to it, and, and that combination, he throws them from similar arm slots, and so that combination has been really good this year, and he has been a great ninth-inning pitcher for the Tin Caps. He's actually kind of been supplanted as the ninth inning pitcher in recent weeks because we have Jose Geraldo up here now. Okay. Uh, but he's been a great eighth inning pitcher uh, as well. And he's pitched he's pitched multiple innings a couple times also. And he, so he has the stamina to go two innings and and, and stick with um stick stick with his stuff and his stuff it plays. Again, the issue is command, right? right. We've talked about it before. Uh, he has had some issues with walks, but he is better than almost anyone on this team of from what just kind of uh, anecdotally uh, of wor- working around walks. He is, he is very, I, the, the amount of times that I've like seen him walk the leadoff hitter and then get out of the inning without allowing a run. It's, it's gotta be as high as anyone in high A central this year. He has been a, been a beast at that. Well, you know, and, and you know, you, the efficiency, 
Do you think it's kind of an overall thing? Do you see this in other organizations or other teams where, uh, you know, there's a lot of rust in some of these guys, even though it's high A ball and supposed to be playing a little bit better, you know, higher level, that there's a lot of rust in these guys and a lot of pitches are really, uh, you know, are, are, are just taking too too long to get out of an inning. I think that's part of it. I mean, the the Tin Caps this year have been one of the best teams in the league in drawing walks. Like they're, I think they're third in the league in walks, but they're averaging almost six walks a game over the last 16 or something like that. I've written about that. And, and obviously they're part of their approach is to not swing at pitches out of the strike zone. And that's important, but also it's these pitchers have to throw pitches out of the strike zone. And, I, and that's been something that has been happening a lot against the Tin Caps this year. So, <laughs> and that rust, you can kind of see it in the game times. The Tin Caps are averaging like three hours and 23 minutes for yeah. a game at yeah. Parkview Field this year compared to 259 yeah. in 2019. <laughs> so it is up significantly. These games are taking much longer, and that's part of and part of the reason is the pitchers are having a little bit more trouble getting out of innings. And there's a pitch clock there. Yeah, 20-second pitch clock? I'm um, not sure about that. It's not something that anyone's been called on this year. So if there is, it's very, very loosely uh, – loosely enforced <laughs> so what is this so what is it and we've reported on this on the podcast but i just can't remember right now what are they experimenting with in high a central league are they yeah the, the yeah the experimental rule this year in high a central is the pickoff rule uh you have to step off the mound step off the rubber before you can throw to a base uh if you're the pitcher so you know no like directly to first for a left-hander no jump and throw jump and throw for a right-hander it's led to a it, it, earlier in the season it led to a significant amount of box um, and some pitchers were a little bit upset because they said they stepped off, and the umpires said they didn't. Um, and then, but the other thing, it has led to a lot more stolen bases. There are guys who have almost not been caught at all this season. There are far fewer caught stealing yeah. uh, this year, even as stolen base attempts probably have increased. The Tin Caps have struggled a little bit uh, recently with with containing the running game, and I think that's part of the reason why is everyone's struggling yeah. with it. But but yeah, it's 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 much more difficult. <laughs> Um, one more, more, well, a couple more pitches. We, Matt Waldron came over in the Mike Clevenger. He's kind of the tossing for the Mike Clevenger uh, deal. He's been pitching really well, but he's also he throws a knuckleball. He do, as of this spring, he he does. Really? He said he was just. I talked to him about this extensively. He said that basically three weeks before the start of the season, he was kind of just messing around with it in practice. He hadn't, he he didn't throw it in college. He was college pitcher. He didn't throw it in college. Um, and, uh, basically the guy he was throwing it with was like, that's a really good pitch. Just playing catch. Like you should try that in a bullpen. And so he joking around, okay, I will. And so then he goes to the bullpen and he tries it with the pitching coach and the guy's like, that's an actual knuckleball. Let's, let's see it again. And so at the beginning of the season, he was throwing it about 35% of the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the team caps are having him the, the, the Padres are pushing him to throw it even more. It's about half of his repertoire at this point. Um, and, but the difference is he has, he has the knuckleball, which is mid seventies to high seventies, but he also has the fastball that's in the low nineties. He is not a soft tosser. He hits 92, 93 miles an hour. Um, and then he has the slider, which has, which has uh, a different shape than the knuckleball, obviously. Uh, and and that's kind of in the low eighties. So he has three distinct pitch types, uh, that he can throw in just about any count. And he had a couple starts there when the Padres told him throw more knuckleballs. He had a couple starts there where he really struggled with command. He walked seven guys in two and two thirds because he was struggling with the knuckleball. But he seems to have kind of figured that out the last couple starts. Um, and the last and the last two starts, he's gone seven innings in both of them. Um, only the Tin Cavs only had three starts of seven innings or more this year. He's had two of them in the last two weeks. Uh, and so the knuckleball, the fact that he's able to throw that on as many pitches as he does, uh, is that. He that's less wear and tear on his arm, and he's yeah. able to pitch far deeper into games. 
So is that playing with the guys? Are they, you know, is it, is, does he have a chance to kind of move fast here? Do you think that, that I, I've been wondering the same thing myself. I, you'd think that based, based on what I've seen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to get him to a higher level and see what that knuckleball does uh, against higher level <laughs> hitters, because it's, it's, it's a good pitch. Yeah. It is a, yeah. uh, it is a actually good knuckleball. It's just something he was messed around with one day and has become a significant part of his identity as a pitcher. Uh, and so he, he has, when he's throwing that for strikes, he can get strike one with that pitch. From there, the, the, the hitter is at a huge disadvantage because yeah. he has so much he has to load up for. Ah, oh, that's great. That's great. You know, they, they brought up Reese Kinnear to the big league club, and I was actually at that start. You know, so, I mean, you could move that fast, and we need yeah. pitchers up here at the big league level. Um, that's, fan- that's so fantastic, man. I, I'm so glad. to. You know, a lot of times those guys that come in the, you know, the trades the, 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 are the throwing guys. Like, oh, we'll just pick that guy. Preller just has this thing. Jake Cronenworth is a perfect example. You know, we got Tommy Pham in the Jake Cronenworth trade. <laughs> Um, and the fans here just love that guy. And, you know, he's, he's an all-star this year. And, um, you know, most time in those big league trades like that, it's a tossing guy. Yeah. And uh, Preller really knows what the heck he's doing. And, uh, you know, we just got the draft here today. We recorded this after uh, after the draft, which we'll get into later on maybe. Um, but moving on to some, some of the more armed. Well, first things, how's Mason Fioli doing? I, I, he's he's kind of struggling. He's been injured, been not injured. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing where it seems like the stuff is there, although maybe not where he would like it to be at this point in the season. He's got the fastball, the slider. Um, but the injury has been an issue this year. His command is obviously just not there at this point. Um, and so his, his ERA is significantly inflated because of some bad outings that he had before he was on the injured list. Maybe he wasn't 100% in those. So it's, it's kind of been hard to get a read on where he is at this point in his development because he hasn't been fully healthy. And then when he, comes, when he came back, he had significant rust. Uh, in terms of the command, so we're still kind of feeling out what we what they have in Fioli, but and that's something they'll for the second half of the season. That's a guy that they want to get going, especially with the struggles they've had in the bullpen this year. Yeah, big friend, friend of the podcast. Uh, we've had him on a couple of times. We've had a whole music podcast just with us talking to him about music and movies. <laughs> so we really want to have him. Uh, we want we won't able to do well, but we just want to check it on him. So let's get on some of the hitters. Um, Johnny Hamza. Has just come, you know, a couple of years ago he was drafted out of Anchorage, Alaska. You know, 2019. You know, I think he played a little bit in for Tri Cities, maybe. Uh, and this is his first full year of professional baseball, I believe. And uh, he is holding his own. Yeah, he has been one. He has been their consistently best hitter. Uh, if you don't count Juan Williams Sutton, who was promoted to Double A, yeah. um, but Holmesa has been very, very good. Uh, basically the entire season I, he's mostly played catcher but he's also played all over the field shortstop outfield um and so he's kind of a jack of all trades uh but his hitting has been kind of where he's really made the most impact this year not a ton of power at this point but he does have plenty of extra base hits on uh, he's very fast for a catcher like he's i wouldn't say he has above average speed for on, on average right but he, okay. his speed definitely plays um and and so he's he's been able to leg out a couple triples i think he has three triples this year uh and he's just a battler at the plate right like he has plenty he has uh, plenty of bat to ball ability but it's also an ability to kind of just grind through at bats he almost yeah. never gives away in a bat and that, that's been in huge for this team this year as a guy he did kind of slotted in at the leadoff spot a lot more often recently yeah i thought i saw him uh, play third base yeah, and, he's been. He's. I think he's played five positions this year. He's been all over the field. <laughs> you know, and, and that's so. So they're really trying to make him one of those uber super utility guys. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think they're going to try to get him get him as far as they can as a catcher and see how he like whether he's able to play as a catcher at the higher levels. Because uh, he's a pretty, he's a good catcher. He's athletic, as I said. So um, he, I think he can play as a catcher as a catcher at the higher levels. But if he can't, he can obviously could easily move into the outfield or, or a corner infield spot if the bat's going to play there. Okay, so Kevin Alcaron, how do you pronounce that name? Alcaron. Alcaron. Ah, Kevin Alcaron. Yeah. He's a uh, you know he's come back to. To Fort Wayne as well. He was in Fort Wayne in 2019, yeah? Yeah, that's another guy that got a cup, a cup of coffee here. We're still feeling him out as well. He's a guy that, that hasn't been here quite quite as long, but he has he has kind of a, a, an inside-out uh, ability going, going to the opposite field a lot, and that's something that's been kind of his calling card since he's been here. Uh, hasn't made a ton of impact yet. He's one of those guys that's playing maybe every two or three nights, although he has gotten a little bit more playing time lately um, as Kelvin Malion was promoted to double A, yeah. who was play hitting very very well yeah. uh while he was here but Aller- Allercone has been kind of the main recipient of playing time since Melian got promoted and he's a guy who has he has good bat to ball skill uh not a ton of power he's definitely more more of a singles hitter at this point in in his development but a guy that is he's still young he's, I think he's only 22 as well so um he's a guy that could that could move uh as well Justin Lopez I believe we gave him really good money back in 2016 uh is now in high a ball um how, what do you think about him yeah, he's been one of the. He's one of those guys. He's been at Fort Wayne. I, I believe this is his third season at Fort Wayne. Now he got here when he was seventeen. Uh, he's now twenty one. He's a veteran, but he's still he's still one of the youngest guys go. in the team. Uh, and he he has some power. That that's the thing with Lopez. Is he has power from both sides of the plate. It's just a question of kind of consistency. Uh, basically, the entire all three seasons that he's been in Fort Wayne, he's been pretty streaky. He'll go on these runs where he'll hit three, four, five, six home runs in a two week span. Um, and, and there are other times where he's, he struggles, struggles a little bit over, over an extended period. And you kind of got to shake him out of the doldrums a, a little bit. Um, Anthony Contreras has said that it, it's at this point in his career, he's doing better at kind of recognizing what other teams are, are trying to do to him. Uh, but it's the consistency that needs to come next. And because he has great, uh, he has good power to all fields. Uh, he has good bat to ball skill and he, he's a very, very good shortstop. He's one He's one of the few guys that's come through Fort Wayne. It's him and Gabe Arias, really, are the two guys that have come through Fort Wayne uh, since I've been here who I think could play shortstop uh, at the major league level if the bat plays, right? right? right. If, the, if the bat gets there. Because he is a very, very good shortstop. Uh, with that, that, The sidearm throw is kind of his calling card here. But he has, he has a fantastic arm, great range, and he could play shortstop in the bigs if, if the bat gets in there. You know, a guy that I've been seeing a lot lately uh, play more is Seamus Curran. Seamus. Um, that's a guy he has a really interesting story actually Curran uh, is a guy who was he was in the Orioles organization for five years uh, he hit actually 17 home runs in low a in 2019 uh, and then he was cut by the Orioles about a week before spring training this year so it was kind of he yeah it was, it was very odd um, yeah so he was he was kind of scrambling around for an opportunity he found the tin caps uh, or he found the Padres the Padres gave him a shot and he's been here with the tin caps for the last uh, little more than a month uh, and he's been very good. Uh, he clearly has power. He is a big guy, 6'5", 230, 235. Uh, and he has power, especially to the, to the pull side. And he has a very good eye. He is the Tin Caps leader in, in walk rate, I believe, around 19% right now. Wow. Uh, so, so, yeah, he's been very, very good since he's been here. Uh, thoughtful guy. Uh, the, the only question kind of is the defense. He plays first more often than not. Uh, has, hasn't been great at first at this point. He's maybe, maybe still working the kinks out just a little bit. But the bat is definitely there. Yeah, it was the same thing with, with you know the Padres released Brad Zunica, and um, you know he was the first baseman in Fort Wayne for a while, and you know, the bat played, and 
yeah, and it just didn't work out. So I, I really hope for for Seamus, uh, you know, that it does work out. Um, moving on, you know, friend of the podcast, Ethan Skender. Yeah, is he not he, the mayor? He, he, Shouldn't he be like the mayor of Fort Wayne by now? Yeah, exactly. He's he's a he's a great guy. Uh, fantastic <laughs> to talk to, and I'm sure you know. Uh, he's actually hurt. Well, he was hurt. He had some uh, concussion-like symptoms this week, uh, but he was just activated off the seven-day DL earlier today, or seven-day IL uh, earlier today. Uh, he's a guy who can play multiple positions on the infield, third, second. I, I could assume. I would assume he can play the outfield too, although we haven't seen it this year. Um, because he has he has that athletic ability. He hasn't hit quite as well as he did in Fort Wayne in 2019. Is the, the bat's not quite there? Uh, but he has had some games where he's had where there's flashes of what he was in 2019, which was just kind of an irritant, right? Like he's a yeah. he's a guy who can who does everything, kind of just annoys the other team with base with kind of an all around game, and that's what he's shown this year as well. That just the the hitting isn't quite a, as crisp as it was in 2019. Uh, he's only hitting about 240, I believe, but that's been better. Uh, in recent weeks here, at least it was uh, before his uh, before his injury. Uh, another uh, tin cap uh, alumnus, uh, Jawan Harris. Yeah, yeah, Jawan Harris. Yeah, he's been here um, all season. He was he was very hot uh, to start the year. He struggled a, a, a fair amount here uh, in in June and July. He's kind of searching at the plate right now. Uh, the the skill is still there, obviously. Uh, on the bases and in the field. He is a very, very good center fielder, and he is extremely good base dealer. Uh, it's just a question of whether the bat comes together. Because he was a good hitter here in Fort Wayne in 2019. He had a good eye, had some, had some pop, and that just hasn't really been there this season, as I'm sure he'd, he'd tell you as well. Um, and and he, he's kind of searching, as I said, at the plate right now because he's taking a lot of looking strikeouts. And I wonder if he's just kind of caught in between a little bit and wondering whether it has kind of – is searching for some answers at the plate right now. Uh, so is there anyone here that we've talked uh, uh, talked about or asked about? Uh, is there someone surprising you this year that we haven't asked about? Well, uh, the, the one guy that we haven't talked about yet, and I think you'll be hearing a lot more about him coming up here, is Eric Sabrowski, the, uh, the the left-handed. Yes. Was a rel- was a reliever, just made his first start, um, and he might have the best. We talked about Waldron's knuckleball is a very good pitch. Uh, Espinosa's fastball is a good pitch. Eric Sabrowski's curveball is the best pitch, single singular pitch uh, on the team. It is a an absolute hammer, yeah. um, and yes, it is very very good. He's a guy who he was drafted in 2018, uh, then immediately had Tommy John surgery, so okay. he has not pitched in pro ball until I believe the middle of June was his pro debut. Uh, so he's only made five appearances here in Fort Wayne, but they've all been very very good. I think he has 21 strikeouts in 10 innings. Now, or no, no, he had 21 strikeouts in 10 innings before his start, and then he had five and four. So 26 strikeouts in yeah. 14 innings here in Fort Wayne. Uh, and the curveball, as I said, it's, it's mid 70s, ton of break. It's 12, it's a pure 12 6 curveball. And they also have a fastball that gets that gets up there at 93, 92, 92, 93. Okay, that's a very, very good combination. He has also a changeup that he's he's working on as well. So that's a guy you're going to be hearing about a lot more. Is absolutely dominated here in Fort Wayne. Kind of on. I haven't seen someone dominate here in Fort Wayne the way he has since probably uh, Mason Fox was here yeah. in, in 20, 2019 uh, for that week that he was here when he struck out everybody. Sabrowski, uh, <laughs> I think he might be here a little bit longer just because he is coming off Tommy John and they probably want him to get comfortable. Um, but he can. He's been a reliever. He made his first start in place of Espinosa this this uh, Wednesday. Uh, and I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about him going forward. Yeah, I've seen him in the lineup, or I've you know, seen him um, in games, and like, but I haven't got a chance to watch him 
But I've just been seeing him like, oh, new name, new name, new name. Hey, real quick, I have a quick. So players have been moved from from rosters to to development list. What is what does that necessarily mean? Does that mean they're going back to, you know, to the complex, or is that something different? That I I'm not sure exactly what that is. I, I actually had not seen that until uh, earlier today when I saw someone was placed on the developmental list, and that's something that I need to check out because yeah, I, I had not seen that before. I don't think we we had guys sent back to the complex um, before and they were not placed on the developmental list because it's, it's the Fort it's Fort Wayne's developmental list. Okay. So I, so I, I, I'm not sure exactly what that is. Um, It's possible that it's, it's some kind of carve out where you can save a roster spot without putting someone on the aisle. Okay. I'm not, I'm not sure what that is. And that's something I'll have to check out going forward here. Yeah. I've seen it at other levels too. So it's not just high A or low A it's in all different levels. I've seen that. Um, Well, God, you know, it's, we're going to have to meet up later on in the season. I'm sure by that time, uh, you know, guys are going to be moving up, moving out, and moving down, moving in. Uh, we'd love to have you come on again. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. So, real quick before we go, let's talk about you for a second. So, during COVID, did you during the lockdown, did you um, did you learn a new language? Did you teach yourself how to cook? I mean, what did you do with all that downtime? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't do anything uh, as productive as some people uh, would have liked. I kind of. I started learning to cook a little bit. Uh, my girlfriend was trying to teach me. I am not good at it, um, but um, I'm, I, I'm more watched and, and cut some vegetables every once in a while. Okay. Right. Um, but but yeah, outside of that, I, I, I just kind of tried to serve, tried to kind of stay engaged, right? Okay. You know, um, sports started coming back for me in, in it started coming back for everyone in June, but basically from the start of the pandemic until basically football starting in in August. My job was find stories. Right. I wherever they are, go out and find them. You know, they're there. And believe me, there there were even though there were not games happening, there were stories to be told. And I think that was that was a lot of fun as a journalist was going out and, and basically saying, okay, who has an interesting story to tell that wouldn't that wouldn't necessarily get told when games are happening and right. you're spending ninety percent of your time covering a game or a team, you know? And I think that was I, I wrote some really cool stories uh, that I enjoyed that I really enjoyed writing and um, and that was kind of that was my pandemic was going out and coming up with ideas and I think I'm a better journalist for it. That's great. Uh, so is there anything right now you want to plug? Yeah, I, I guess uh, basically just my tin caps coverage. Basically, the way we do it here in Fort Wayne is we have or here at the Journal Gazette is we have tin caps game coverage every night when they're at home and then when they come back from a road trip, I usually have. The day of the game, the first home game uh, back from the road trip, I have kind of a longer feature story on, on a trend or a player. Um, and the, the one coming up here next Tuesday now, after um, after they come back from this current road trip that they're, they're starting tomorrow night, I will have about the differences that they've seen between low A and high A, and I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, it's really cool. Hey, you guys, give him a follow. Those those the recaps and the and the reads from him are excellent to read. Lots of good information, good nuggets on players, and uh, just overall great writer. Dylan, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. We are not going to wait two more years to have you come on. Like I said, we're probably having you at the end of the season uh, after uh, maybe another roster shakeup or so. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. Take care. Absolutely. Glad to do it. And thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. 